Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. The word that has captured the attention of both the scientific community and public alike. Dr. Wenyun Fan, a professor at Florida State University, has discovered this remarkable way that the atmosphere can actually transfer energy deep into the earth. Something like a hurricane or a strong storm can spark seismic activity in the ocean as strong as a 3.5 magnitude earthquake. He coined the term stormquakes, and I want to hear all about them. So thank you for joining us on Weather Geeks, Dr. Fan. Yeah, let's just, you know, I, I've heard a little bit about this and I want to kind of circle back to who you are and your background. But what in the world is a stormquake? <laughs> That's a very good question. So a stormquakes is uh, basically a point source seismic signal that is in the ocean. It is uh, really a very convoluted process to generate such a seismic signal. So first, as you mentioned, when strong storms are present, they will transfer a lot of the energy into the ocean as sea swells, as that's what we observe. When the sea swells propagate for a while, they will be able to interact with each other and produce another type of ocean waves. Uh, much longer period, uh, usually we would call those things perhaps infragravity waves. When infragravity waves are present, their long wavelengths make them uh, quite large in terms of the wavelengths or scale. So they could start to touch the seafloor. And when they touch the seafloor, they will start to interact with the seafloor. For example, offshore uh, New England or uh, in the Gulf of Mexico, when uh, specific seafloor bathymetry features or topographic features like ocean banks are present, such interactions will produce stormquakes. So stormquakes overall is a uh, spatial or perhaps uh, temporally isolated strong pressure source in the ocean that is causing seismic signals that uh, have the amplitude equivalent to those generated by magnitude 3.5 earthquakes. This is so fascinating. And I want to make sure we clarify one point because recently there was an earthquake out in California, Northern California, and I wrote an article in Forbes uh, prompted by a colleague of mine, Dr. Thomas Gill at uh, UTEP or University of Texas, El Paso. Because he grew up in California and he says people often talk about earthquake weather out there. They say that there's a certain type of weather that leads to earthquakes. Uh, According to USGS, they're a bit skeptical on this notion that certain atmospheric conditions and pressures are associated with, uh, with earthquakes there in California. Although a lot of people grew up in California believing that what you're talking about is fundamentally different from that. That's that's right. That is correct. Um, So actually, sometimes if there are big earthquakes and after that, uh, because of the the ground motion and a lot of the following consequences, consequences, earthquakes can potentially perturb the local atmosphere events, uh, a local atmosphere condition and causing atmosphere events. Uh, but the the opposite, the other direction from atmosphere causing earthquakes. So far, we have not have a very robust evidence to to back it up. 
Yeah, I, I, and I want to now take this opportunity. We're going to dive all into stormquakes, the energy transfer processes, and just the science behind this. I, I have to think this is something, if you're listening to Weather Geeks right now, that is probably new to you. So this is going to be a fun geek out on Weather Geeks today. So let's uh, join along for the ride here and let's shake it up, pun intended. But before we get there, Dr. Fan, I always like to ask the guest on Weather Geeks a little bit about themselves. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what type of professor you are at my alma mater, Florida State, uh, what department you're in. And then I'm also curious how you got interested in the scientific discipline that you came to be in. Uh, good question. So I am a seismologist. I work on seismic signals. Um, my research interest has been very focused on understanding earthquakes and uh, seismic sources. Uh, by training, I am a global uh, seismologist or, or general geophysicist. I uh, obtained my PhD from a Scripps Institution of Oceanography. Uh, then I did a postdoc at uh, Uzho Oceanographic uh, Institution. Then I joined the Department of Earth, of Earth Ocean and Atmosphere Science at uh, Florida State. Um, when I was an undergrad, uh, I, I was in the geophysics program. But more generally, our training was just math and uh, physics. Um, but I, I, I really wanted to uh, apply what I learned into the nature around us and understanding how things work. Um, and and uh, around the time, there was a, a major earthquake around 2000, uh, during 2008. Uh, it was a Wenchuan earthquake in China. And that earthquake uh, caused lots of damages. Um, and that really... Uh, inspired me actually tried to understand a little bit more about the phenomena and eventually uh, led me into seismology. So you weren't one of these scientists like myself, who's a meteorologist uh, who studied there in the um, what was the Department of Meteorology there before it was renamed or, or consolidated with the other departments. Uh, you weren't one of these people like me that was interested in earthquakes or, or this type of seismic phenomena as a young kid. Uh, indeed, um, I was uh, very interested in, in physics and uh, interested in how to apply it to the nature around us. Uh, so uh, geophysics was a perfect combination for that. Uh, but before the Wenchuan earthquake, what, I was actually not uh, that a hardcore earthquake person. I, <laughs> um, so, but after that, uh, uh, like you mentioned, it, it, it was definitely a, a turning point for me. And, and I started to feel this is a very fascinating natural process, also uh, very important. We are talking with Dr. Wen Yun Fan at the Florida State University. Uh, he's a seismologist there at, at FSU. And I want to now come back to stormquakes. I'm just fascinated by, by this. So we're going to geek out on this big time today. I mean, you came up with this this term stormquakes, but I want to you, you kind of introduced this, but I want to kind of go back now and just sort of understand what were some of the first clues that you observed when you sort of started making the connections here? I mean, how did you stumble upon this? It was by accident, actually. Um, so last year, we designed uh, uh, an approach to locate uh, earthquakes, uh, more generally trying to understand uh, seismic sources in terms, uh, in terms of uh, where they are and uh, their occurrence, uh, in particular for sources offshore U.S., so we designed this approach and uh, applied it to um, the uh, Cascadia region. 
right? So because that's where the next big one is expected, and we were hoping to understand the subtle signals uh, and uh, which might give us some clues about uh, the conditions of the faults there. Um, so I found this seismic uh, earthquake-like signals uh, with my detector, and uh, we start to see lots of them. And the, the timing was interesting because it was around 2012 and there was a major magnitude 7.8 uh, earthquake there. So I thought I, I, I found something and very excited. Um, however, after looking into the signals uh, or the, the sources for a few years, I started to realize these seismic signals, they have an annual cycle. So it, they have seasonalities. And that was quite puzzling to me because earthquakes, they don't really have uh, seasonalities. However, weather and the ocean, they do, right? So um, this was a, a, a very interesting uh, moment because it, it gave me a lot of uh, uh, headaches at the moment. What what was going on? How, how could that happen? And uh, as you mentioned uh, previously, we, we never even thought... Um, or at least the the common belief is um, it is very hard to 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 cause uh, uh, such seismic signals from the atmosphere uh, to the solid earth. Uh, so we looked into more data. Actually, uh, we checked more than ten years continuous recording of the uh, USA array, which was uh, having seismic stations covering the lower 48 and now moved to Alaska. And we start to not only seeing seismic sources uh, offshore Cascade uh, or uh, British Columbia, Canada, but also along the East Coast as well, uh, in particular offshore Florida and in the Gulf of Mexico. And in those regions, we're pretty sure there are not that many active faults. So, um, these seismic signals are very unlikely to be associated with earthquake activities. However, in the Gulf and offshore Florida, we do have hurricanes. And uh, so now that was a, a, a very pivotal point for us to draw the comparison uh, because for hurricanes, you know, there are hurricane tracks and the, the atmosphere event is usually more compact and it's very easy to identify from the ocean wave models. Um, and the strong correlation between the occurrence of hurricanes, for example, uh, Hurricane Bill in 2009, uh, Hurricane Ike uh, around 2008, um, and the correlation between the occurrence and the movement of these hurricanes with the excitation of stormquakes really led us to, to, to argue for the uh, physical cause of uh, stormquake uh, generations. Very, very fascinating. So, you know, I'm going to put on my meteorologist hat and you put on your seismologist hat and let's have a conversation here. So with these hurricanes or nor'easters, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, something about sort of an excitation of the, 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 the swell or the oceanic aspect of the system. Uh, that's the response that comes from the weather system into the ocean. So is it so it's primarily a pressure driven phenomena? Yeah, I, you know, you probably know uh, way more than what I do, so I really need your help here regarding the atmosphere events. So when 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 a hurricane or or, or nor'easters are present, um, like you said, it is a pressure system. It's gonna act upon the sea actually because of the friction a friction between the ocean and uh, the atmosphere. The the sea surface is gonna dragged along by the movement of uh, the storms. 
And when those uh, kind of movements or the dragging effects are happening, there will be big ocean waves, right? So this is not really surprising to us. Um, and however, these uh, ocean waves are relatively short period. So uh, because they're coupled with the, the storms, with the wind, so, so the, the frequency or the period of these ocean waves, uh, sea swells, are relatively short. Um, and this is really not the seismic wave frequency we observe. Uh, and at this moment, you can basically imagine the Earth as transparent. It doesn't really change the frequency content. Therefore, the transformation uh, from the storm-generated ocean waves into the solid Earth waves, there has to be transformation to put the frequency content into the, the right range. Uh, that comes along from the non-linear non uh, interaction of the ocean waves. And when they propagate, they will start to interact with each other and eventually produce another type of ocean wave and, and lead to the excitation of stormquakes. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard, and we're having a fascinating conversation on something that I am just becoming aware of. And I've, I've been around the field of meteorology for some time and have a pretty good sense of what's going on, on out there. But my colleague here, Dr. Fan at Florida State University, is introducing us to the concept of stormquakes. And this is this is what I, I just have to take a pause and just say, this is what the Weather Geeks podcast is all about. Uh, we, we hope you're enjoying learning about new things and hearing about these fascinating topics. I want to stay with the discussion here about stormquakes because you talked a little bit about what they are and sort of how the atmosphere and so sort of the pressure system and the, the drag associated with the winds associated with a hurricane or a nor'easter can 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 sort of incite or, or, or induce these stormquakes. I want to sort of, sort of talk about your specific research. I mean, when you're doing research on stormquakes, what are you using? Are you using observations? Are you using models? Are you using a combination of both? Uh, we actually use a combination of both. Um, so the the seismic observations are are direct. So you can see them from uh, the seismic signals, and that's how we actually locate uh, stormquakes in pretty high resolution. Uh, so we can draw comparison with the ocean wave models, which eventually are are uh, generated by the atmosphere events. And then after after doing this, of course, um, during the process, we have to have a look at the NOAA's uh, ocean wave model, which we used. Uh, the one we used uh, was uh, Wave Watch 3. Um, and then after that, we tried to understand the physical process a little bit better. So we did a, a, a analytical modeling uh, of assuming a unit wave propagating across the continental shelf and uh, to see how they interact with each other. Very, very interesting. So remote sensing is very much a part of your work. Curious, who, who, who is funding your research? Is this uh, sort of self-funded at this point or National Science Foundation, NOAA, NASA? Well, we're actively, actively searching for funding um, sources. So this was part of um, my uh, research 
project uh, when I was at uh, Uzho Oceanographic Institution. And at that moment, I was funded by a postdoc scholar program of the institution. Um, and then I, I moved to, to FSU. Of course, FSU is cur- currently funding me uh, to perform the research. My co-authors, um, uh, some are funded by NSF at the moment. Yes. Tell us about, uh, you know, if you were... It in Tallahassee there, and you're you're on the elevator with uh, one of your local congresspersons or senators. Uh, what's the so what? What's your sort of you know short elevator speech to that congressman of why this work should be funded? What are the what are the broader implications of these stormquakes? First, I surprised you, didn't I? Um, so I, I I think this is really highlights that the atmosphere, the ocean, and the solid earth is. A coupled system, right? So, whatever happens around us is going to have an impact to a degree that previously we did not even, uh, we were not even aware of. Uh, intellectually speaking, uh, we didn't know uh, very strong ocean waves would be present uh, in that frequency range near the continental shelf or around the ocean banks. So, uh, stormquakes really shed lights in terms of the ocean dynamics and how how the strong ocean waves would be. Uh, at the same time, the, the existence of stormquakes can serve as virtual earthquakes to help us to, to image the, the Earth's structure beneath us, in particular uh, for the eastern part of the U.S. where earthquakes are uh, rare. Now, having sources to light up the, the structure is, is a great way to, for us to understand uh, why do we have mountains and what kind of structures are beneath us. Um, uh, from a hazard perspective, I, I do have to emphasize that um, we do not think uh, stormquakes are a big concern of the seismic hazard at this moment, mostly because of the low magnitude around 3.5 and the distance uh, near the shore. However, um, how stormquakes are going to have impact in the oceanic environment is still unknown. Uh, we just discovered this, and I expect there will be a lot of things uh, need to be done in the future. Let, let's do a little seismology geek out here instead of a weather geek out, because you mentioned some terms that may not be familiar to many of the listeners of the Weather Geeks podcast. Perhaps they are. But you talk about the scale. You talk about that these uh, stormquakes typically are on the order of maybe 3.5 or, or less. Tell us about the that scale. I mean, it's it's not a linear scale, as I understand. It's a logarithmic type scale, I understand. So tell us just a, in a 101 sense about the scales that you all as seismologists use to rate these storms and why you say that 3.5 magnitude would not necessarily be a hazard. Right. Um, so 3.5 is we directly compare the seismic wiggle amplitude generated by stormquakes and generated by an earthquake in a nearby region at the station. And the amplitude are comparable. Therefore, uh, we draw the uh, conclusion that in terms of the direct observation uh, from the seismic amplitude, uh, it's likely to be around a 3.5 magnitude. Um, Like how uh, important is the magnitude or how significant is the amplitude? Amplitude really depends on where uh, we are, right? So, uh, recently, uh, earlier this year, there was a magnitude seven earthquake happened in California, 
But perhaps for people living in Tallahassee, let's say me, I didn't even feel it. I did not feel it at all, actually. But for people living in California, a lot of them did feel that. So the the relationship between how large the magnitude and how strong the ground shaking would be uh, is a relative. is is relative depends on the location. And here, storm quakes are mostly offshore, and they need to be generated near the edge of a large continent, continental shelf. And here, for for Gulf of Mexico, perhaps as an example, they're hundreds of miles away, and, and also they're underwater. So when they're that far, um, after propagating for a while, the motions are quite subtle. At least for humans, it's very difficult to to have any sense of it. Uh, but seismometers can pick it up. So seismometers and sort of monitoring techniques are, are, are very critical. But I still want to get at the root of this a little bit of the the, the, the scale itself, because I, I, I've done a little sort of reading on on the various scales. I mean, I, I understand that there are actually multiple scales or the scales have evolved. I think when I grew up as a kid, I remember hearing something about the Richter scale, for example, and then I see these M scales. So my, my understanding, and I could be wrong about this because I study the atmosphere, not the uh, solid earth, um, but I, Aren't there various scales or ways to assess magnitude of earthquakes? Yes, that is correct. So what you mentioned, Richter scale, it's basically using the body waves to mirror the magnitude of of earthquakes. Here, uh, what we're trying to um, assess is the magnitude of uh, surface waves. So there are uh, body wave magnitude, uh, surface wave magnitude, and uh, moment magnitude. Uh, the moment magnitude is based on the release of total energy, which is supposed uh, to be a more accurate description of the source energy. And the surface wave energy takes the amplitude from the uh, seismic surface waves and then try to quant- quantitatively evaluate the, the energy release. So that is simply uh, using the amplitude, divides the frequency to the log, uh, have uh, some coefficients and constants plussed uh, into that. And then the body wave amplitude are, are using the body waves. So body waves are seismic waves travel through the Earth's body. Uh, for example, the P wave and S wave, which are the primary wave and secondary waves are body waves. So they can go quite deep into the Earth. Uh, the surface wave, surface waves we, we were talking about, they travel along the Earth's surface. So they, they don't really go very deep, but uh, they can go very far. Um, and they usually have the largest amplitude. Uh, so uh, that is the, the the magnitude we were talking about. Very nice. Now, something I did want to just came to mind as I was listening to this conversation. And now that I have a better understanding myself of this concept of a storm quake, I, I was actually talking with a colleague via email, Dave Schultz, the other day. And we were talking about that there are these relationships that have been shown and perhaps in peer-reviewed literature that have tried to couple quakes, earthquakes of some type to things like El Nino and sort of these longer mode sort of weather climate sort of modes, if you will. Are you familiar with any of that literature and is it in, in any way related to what you're finding? Um, that's a very interesting idea to think about, actually. Um, but however, to my knowledge, I do not see uh, I, I am not aware of uh, of uh, uh, such investigations around my colleague. Yes. Uh, yeah. A more uh, direct impact regarding earthquakes underwater would be tsunami, actually. Uh, and those would cause very large movement of uh, uh, 
ocean and ocean waves propagate toward uh, quite far away. Yes. You know, it's interesting because as a meteorologist, I often get people asking me about tsunamis, uh, even though they are not necessarily a weather related phenomena. But I think the general public often sort of conflates them as being weather related when they're really a sort of an ocean or sort of a geologic phenomena caused by volcanic eruptions or earthquakes in the ocean that cause these large waves. But I have to admit, you're shattering some of my response to them now with this idea of storm quakes, because we're talking about coupling between uh, weather phenomena and and the ocean and, and quake. So I'm going to have to rethink that a little bit as well. What What is your general, I'm, I'm pretty sure as you're, you're getting out there and starting to talk about these storm quakes, what is your general reaction that you get from people when you talk about storm quakes? Or, or is it skepticism or is it, oh, wow, that's really cool or no way? What, I mean, just, just, what is your general reaction as you're starting to talk more about storm quakes? Um, you really people would really want to understand whether they're in danger or not. In particular here in Florida, you know, the hurricanes are already bad enough. Now, in term, on top of that, if there are more seismic activities, people are not really happy. So the, the first questions are, uh, the first question uh, has been, uh, uh, do we need to worry about it? <laughs> and you, you generally tell them no, because it's a 3.5 mild magnitude, which, which, brings me to another question. Uh, are there any particular storms that come to mind that have that we would know about in the weather community that have caused a storm quake? Or is there something that would that is associated with more frequent uh, storm quakes I mean, in terms of storms? I mean, are hurricanes more likely to do it than nor'easters or does the hurricane have to be at least a category three? I mean, what, what are you finding? Ah, very good question. So the uh, I don't know if you're aware of Hurricane Bill around 2009. I am. Uh, I it, am. Yes, right, of course. <laughs> so it, it, it went, uh, it, it propagated, uh, um, eventually got into the, the offshore region of New England and Nova Scotia, Canada. And when it got into that region, it generated a lot of the storm quakes, actually. Within 30 hours, it, it generated almost um, 300 storm quakes that can be detected and located well. Um, but as you mentioned, the, the category um, can be an important thing, but it's not the most important thing. So when, when Bill, it was a strong hurricane, got into category four, uh, but when it propagated towards uh, New, New England, it, it, it died down and uh, evolved into a category one, even just tropical storm when it approached the region. Um, so so the, the important thing here is the coupling. Uh, not only the storms um, need to be strong enough to transfer energy into the ocean, uh, the seafloor uh, bathymetry or seafloor topography needs to be right. It has to be able to interfere with the ocean waves in the correct way to produce the strong pressure source. Uh, an opposite example is Hurricane Sandy uh, 2012. So Superstorm Sandy actually did not excite any storm quakes at all. Um, it did cause a lot of the interactions between the ocean and the atmosphere, ocean and solid earth. Uh, but those signals were mostly like the noise. It's very hard to identify um, where an exact location where they were from or directly see it in the seismic phase. Uh, that is because the path of uh, or the track of uh, Hurricane Sandy uh, 
it originated in the Caribbean Sea and uh, moved directly north without uh, uh, getting too close to uh, the the east uh, part, eastern part of Florida, and uh, stopped by New Jersey. Did not move uh, north, and and because of its track and because of the seafloor topography from Georgia to uh, New Jersey is relatively simple. Uh, such interactions didn't happen, so we did not uh, observe stormquakes from Hurricane Sandy. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back on the Weather Geeks podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia, and I'm talking with Dr. Winyan Fan about stormquakes. You have to be going, wow, if you're listening to this. This is just fascinating. Now, as, as meteorologists or folks in the weather community, we are often concerned about predictability. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. One, do you see any sort of, and your research is early on, so I, I certainly understand if, if you don't answer this question in a certain way, but do you see any predictability in, in these particular storm quakes in any way? In other words, I mean, are you learning enough about them that you can develop a model or develop a sequence of rules of thumb for predictability? And then I'm interested in where your research is going next. Um, yes, actually, unlike earthquakes, we can predict the locations of storm quakes um, because they are strongly modulated by the uh, seafloor topography features, and such features are basically static, at least for a human's lifespan. It doesn't change, uh, or it don't change much. Uh, so we know where storm quakes are preferably uh, generated or excited, as long as we know the tracks of uh, the storms, which we can do uh, pretty well these days, uh, given gi- uh, uh, gi- given a, a few days to two weeks of a notice. Now, combining these informations, uh, yes, indeed, uh, we can predict the excitations of storm quakes. Um, in terms of my future research, I think all the all the uh, plausible mechanisms I was discussing with you was actually uh, based on uh, logical arguments. We do not really have in situ measurements regarding uh, such natural phenomena. So the truth is, we don't know the precise mechanism of uh, what kind of ocean waves are in, in at that region and uh, how those ocean waves actually were interfering with the seafloor um, bathymetry. Uh, and uh, occasionally, instead of a, a pressure source uh, or a vertical pressure source like a hammer, we also observe shearing uh, around around those locations. And in the water, we cannot really share it. So how, how does that happen is also an unknown. Uh, so in the future, we would really like to, to pursue uh, uh, this path and to understand uh, what kind of physics is modulating the process. If you were to sort of, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're drawing to a close here. If you were to kind of put a bow on storm quakes, sort of just in a general public sense, uh, what, what do you say are the top three things that uh, you want the public to know about storm quakes? Uh, 
So first, they're not uh, dangerous. So uh, they're they're good. They can do a lot of things for us without causing uh, major damages. Uh, the second is the storm quakes are originated from storm from the atmosphere. So it, it is really an interesting way to look into everything around us. Say that the atmosphere, the ocean, and the solid earth are a, a closely coupled system, and uh, storm quakes is just one of the. Ways to show how energy can be transferred from atmosphere into the deep earth, um, and the third thing is stormquakes are modulated by the seafloor topography, uh, which means these phenomena are deterministic, uh, sort of deterministic in a view uh, that 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 we 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 know what to expect and where to expect them. If if someone would like to find out more about stormquakes or more about you and your research, and by the way, before before I do that, let me just kind of step back a little bit. I'm certain because I'm a professor like you, uh, though we've talked about stormquakes today, I'm certain that you do other types of research. So what are some of the other research projects that you have going on at Florida State? Um. So a lot of my research has been focusing on understanding how earthquake rupture propagates, in particular for uh, large earthquakes uh, and also for small earthquakes. The the interesting question we want to ask is what makes large earthquakes and small earthquakes different? Or perhaps what uh, would stop a small earthquake growing into large earthquake? The other thing um, I am uh, we're working on is to, to understand earthquake triggering. Uh, so in nature, we do observe uh, the following correlated uh, earthquake activity on different faults, um, but we don't really know um, how or why. Uh, it is related to the passing seismic waves, but the physical mechanism is, is unclear. So that is another direction we're pursuing. Then more closely related to uh, stormquakes, um, we are trying to understand the uh, Greenland uh, hydrological system uh, with seismic tremors, uh, in particular how uh, glaciers are lubricated at the base um, uh, when it contacts the, the solid land. Um, and the last thing I'm working on is to uh, understand uh, the uh, seismic cycles in uh, at uh, one segment of an ocean ridge transform fault system, which is called GOFAR, uh, so I also go to the sea. Um, I will be at sea uh, in two weeks, actually, for about a month. Very, very interesting. A couple of things I want to respond to from your response there. Um, one of my colleagues at the University of Georgia is uh, Dr. Tom Mote, who we will have on a forthcoming episode of Weather Geeks. He's a, an expert on using satellite remote sensing to monitor surface melt at Greenland. And so I've often heard him talking about this lubrication of the base there in Greenland as, as water dives down into these moulins, uh, those large, these large holes in the Greenland surface and, and dive down to the base there and, and serve to lubricate. So Certainly some interesting connections to some research of one of my colleagues at the University of Georgia. And then secondly, I, I, I can't let you go. I mean, I know it's not your research area, but you're a seismologist, so you can at least weigh in on this because it's somewhat climate related. Um, is fracking causing earthquakes? Yes. <laughs> tell, us, tell us a little bit about that. Why and how? Um, so I think we have a, a very uh, strong correlations uh, that has been observed in Oklahoma between the industrial activity and the elevated uh, earthquake activity. So um, 
The precise physical mechanism is still upon debate about the details, so we can make a prediction. However, the correlation between the the activity and the elevated seismicity is it's uh, it's very robust and clear. Um, so the the reason for it happens is that actually within the Earth, uh, faults are everywhere. Right, faults are uh, those the places where can host earthquakes. They have been created uh, for millions of years, if not billions. They have always been there. It's just when they are not at a tectonically active region, they are sleep or they are frozen. They are critically stressed. They're ready to fail, um, but they are not feeling because there is no extra energy got put into the system. When uh, fracking, uh, there are two ways, right? Hydraulic fracking and injection of the wastewater, uh, the the process themselves are actually introducing energies into this on uh, into these systems and to 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 perturb these systems. And because of that, uh, it is uh, uh, likely, or so far has been observed, would cause uh, earthquakes. I think that's where we have to end it. But do you have any websites or social media sites that people can follow you if they want to know more about your work or what you're up to? Um, well, I, I have my uh, FSU website, uh, and I think uh, the paper of uh, Stormquicks is uh, currently uh, open access, so uh, people can check it out. What what journal? Uh, GRL, Geophysical Research Letter. Okay. That's the journal. The journal is uh, for those of you that are not sort of in the scientific world that that myself and Dr. Fan work in. We we publish our work in peer reviewed journals, uh, where the these ideas and research are evaluated by anonymous peer reviewers, and so we have to make sure that the science methodology and results pass muster because anyone can say anything about science or put anything out there in non peer reviewed format. So think of our peer review is like our FDA approval for food and drugs, if you will. So it ensures that good science is getting out there. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's the best that we have in terms of rigorous science publication. So uh, Dr. Fan's work on stormquakes has been published in Geophysical Research Letters, which is a journal of the American Geophysical Union, which is a place that I've published as well. So go out there and, and, and look at his paper, download it if you want to learn more about it, and also check out his website at Florida State. Dr. Fan, thank you so much for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast. Thank you. And this has been Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. As always, thank you for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed that that podcast as much as I did. I, I'm, I'm learning so much myself along with you doing these podcasts. Continue to join us, follow us, and tell your friends about us. See you next time on Weather Geeks. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.